Thanks. Hello, God, I just thank you for Phil and just thank you for yesterday and um, what you brought to us and just pray today that, um, God, that we will be listening with an open heart and I just pray that through Phil that um, you will talk and that we will know you more through them. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Okay, I'm going to wait till Stan gets here. So why don't you stand up a sec? Stand one second. We do this sort of thing whenever we do uh, weekends away with our church family. Um, it usually is on the first morning because everyone's kind of tired. It's been a different bed. You've probably not slept so well. All that jazz. We found out that actually if you act enthusiastic, then you actually become enthusiastic. It's this like spiritual principle. If you, if you act enthusiastic, then literally inside of yourself, you start to become enthusiastic. So we came up with this little thing. So I want to teach it, you, teach it to you uh, by way of... Uh, activating you being enthusiastic. And so um, what it does is, is part of being enthusiastic is that you're going to need to move your body, right? So what I want you to do is just gently swing your arms, okay? Because that's kind of like being enthusiastic, right? I'm enthusiastic. Like, do it like, do it like you mean it. Do it like you're enthusiastic. And what I'm going to do is we're going to say this together. And what you'll do is as you say Act enthusiastic, and you'll be enthusiastic. It's good, okay? You're getting it, okay? You feel like you can do that? And at the end of it, I'm going to say, are you enthusiastic? And then you're going to slap your leg, and you're going to go, you bet I am, in a super cheesy American style. You ready? So, deep breath, and like you mean it, <gasps> act enthusiastic, and you'll be enthusiastic. <gasps> Act enthusiastic and you'll be... Give it some now. Act enthusiastic and you'll be enthusiastic. Are we enthusiastic? Very good. Take a seat. All right. Just while I get myself set, turn to the person next to you. Uh, just tell them how beautiful they look this morning. All right. Okay, so most of us were here last night. Hand up if you weren't uh, around here with us last night. I'm going to try and bring you up to speed in about three minutes. Who was not here last night? A couple of people. All right, well, I want us to be all on track because it, it, it was last night. Um, Here's, here's where we were. We're in, we were in uh, Numbers 13. That's where we're going to be. So if you've got your Bibles, vintage paper or otherwise, uh, you can feel free to uh, pull out your Bibles because we're going we're gonna to continue to springboard off this passage. But basically, we talked through the story of Israel and we were a part of uh, Israel's history. And we were looking at the story of where they were about to cross over into their promised land. And I say about to because actually as, we, as things unfold today, you'll realize that Israel didn't cross over to their promised land. They actually uh, stepped away. And we looked at the whole issue of hope last night and how, um, you know, Israel had come out of Egypt, you know, massive oppression, years of living as slaves. They'd been rescued out of slavery. They'd come and been looked like near certain death at the edge of the, of the Red Sea. And God had moved miraculously for them opened up the sea, they'd, they'd journeyed through the sea, and we find ourselves at this point in the story, after all that God had done, as he'd answered all of their promises, 
We were now at this moment when Israel was at the edge of their promised land and, and Moses had sent out some spies into the land and they come back with a report. And they come back and told them two things. One, that there was hope that this was in fact the land flowing with milk and honey. This was their promised land. But also they, the second report that they gave them that was that this uh, land was, was uh, occupied by giants, literally giants, large, large people and and the, the Bible talks in, in a passage we read yesterday about the fact that this, this city was heavily fortified. It had large houses, large walls, large infrastructure, because everything was large because the people who were living there were large. There were giants living in the land. And so Israel at this point have lost all hope. They are devastated because they can see that this is the promised land because the, the spies have brought back the fruit to prove that this is the, the promised land, their promised land. And yet... And um, they also um, are decimated because they just can't believe that this is their land because there's giants living it and there's no way that they could see themselves occupying it. And we talked yesterday really about how this dynamic of hope is something that God wants to give us. Wherever we're at, wherever, whatever we look at when we look at our lives and we look at our relationships, we look at our finances, we look at our job, we look at our family, we look at whatever it might be that is challenging in our life. Um, I believe that God wants to come and bring us hope in and in and through those circumstances. And I talked yesterday about the fact that actually it wasn't so much that those circumstances necessarily needed to change, but we could still live in hope because we can trust in God. Yes. And actually the, the, our hope is not determined on whether our circumstances shift or change, but I believe God can change our circumstances, right? Yep. He can change our circumstances, but our hope doesn't rest on whether things change around us. Our hope rests on the fact that we trust ourselves to God. That was what the leaders of, of Israel said to the whole nation as they were having their tantrum about the fact that there were giants in the land. They said, look, we can trust God. Look at what he's done for us. Look at his promises. We can trust God. It was because of who God is that we can have hope for our future, hope for the promises that are over our life, not because things look easy, but because we can trust in God. And that's really where we started uh, our journey this weekend is looking at hope and how we can lean back into the revelation of the goodness of God, encountering his presence, knowing that we walk with him, that we can trust him because he's faithful. Yes. So in all of that, I, I wanted again today to kind of jump back in there and I wanted to help us take a journey of crossing over into hope. And I know that um, the journeying into hope takes a lot of courage. And that's why I kind of talked about this whole weekend, the things I wanted to share were really around hope and courage. Because it takes a great deal of courage in the midst of difficult situations or hard times or difficult seasons to have hope. It, it takes courage to lean into God and to trust him when things are hard. I realize that. But I want us I want us to look at this passage of scripture again through some different lenses and I want to hopefully um, tell a few stories and uh, I want to um, hopefully paint a picture where you can start to begin to see that hope is at hand, like hope is ahead of you, hope is in your future and I believe that actually for some of you this weekend is part of stepping into a just new season of hope where God would redefine everything that is about to come through the lens of how he sees it which would bring you hope. But actually, what I want to talk to you about um, today, the two times I get to share with you, is, is what, it's, what it looks like for us to cross over into hope. What it looks like to take courage as we cross over into hope. 
You know, for, for Israel, they couldn't cross over. They'd never crossed over at that point into their promised land. It took them another 40 years. At the point where they were disappointed that there were giants in the land, they withdrew and they wandered around the desert for 40 years. How many of you want to wander around in life because you missed out on taking God at his word for what lies ahead of you? No, I, I don't want to do that either. But that's exactly what Israel did. They're... they're the, the nation's story was defined by the disappointment that they had at that moment, and it caused them to literally wander around the desert for 40 years. But I think one of the, if we're thinking about this journey from where we are and stepping into our future, stepping into hope, any journey that we take, it's really important to know where we're starting from, right? That's the, that's the most handy part of, of taking a trip, taking a journey. It's like, I, I know where I'm starting, because there's no point mapping out, have you ever tried to, you can do it on Google, you know, when you're, you're planning to go to a destination, and you go, oh, I wonder how long it would take me if I went from Australia to there. And you can reset the destination, and so you can reset the, your location, and, and you can figure out. But that's not helpful in this point. We want to know where we are right now in order to take this journey into hope. And I'm convinced that the starting point for us in this journey into hope is dealing with the issue of disappointment. I feel like I, I run into believers, amazing men and women who are following Jesus, whose lives are defined by, by moments of disappointment. And they look back and, they, and as much as they put a brave face on what's coming ahead of them, actually there are significant things that they ultimately are disappointed over. And I'm convinced that the starting point for our journey is just addressing head on this issue of disappointment. So I think we need to figure out what's our strategy. What's our strategy is we want to pursue hope. We want to go after hope. We want to live in hope. We want to experience hope. What is our strategy for dealing with disappointment? And there are lots of versions of disappointment, right? We, we know. We know it's ugly sister discouragement and unhappiness and unfulfillment and being unproductive and unfruitful and unmotivated. They, they all circle around this foundation of disappointment, and I want to look at those four points, and I, I mentioned them last night, these uh, four points over the course of today. I'll look at two um, now and two this afternoon. But I want to look at moving from why to what's next. I want to look at understanding the season you're in. And then this afternoon, we'll look at promises, having purpose, and look at crossing over from a barren place into a fruitful place. But the first place I want to start is this. I believe that um, one of the major um, hurdles that people in life have on this journey into hope is that they are unable to or unwilling to move on from the big question of why to step into the what's next. You know, and disappointment will always keep you trapped around the question why. Why did that happen? We find it right here in Israel's story in Numbers 14. This is what they said after everything had gone down, after they'd sent out the spies, after they got the disappointing um, report, as they'd responded really badly to the leaders who had tried to get them back onto track. This is what Israel said. They said, why have you brought us out of Egypt? Why? Why have you brought us out of Egypt? And remember, this is, this is Israel who had literally been brought out of 40 years of slavery it wasn't like 40 years at Butlins or 40 years, um, 40 years, you know, on holiday. It was like 40 years of slavery, like brutality and slavery. 
And yet here they are, challenged by what lies ahead of them. And they're asking the question, oh, why have you even brought us out of Egypt? We were better off in there. And then they say, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Why, 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 why? Even Israel got stuck around this question of why. They couldn't see what lay ahead of them, their promised land. They couldn't lean into and trust in God. They got stuck on why. Here's a little um, helpful analogy for you. Uh, I need a couple of volunteers and two chairs, so this will be fun. All right, so... No, you never tell people what they have to do before you ask for a volunteer. You two can come and help me. Head down. Anyone that puts their head down? Yeah, yeah, come on, Libby. Um, Libby, you can stand with me. John, you might as well, because you used to be up here. That's fine. Libby, you can come stand with me. You guys can take a seat. You can be Why? That's what John can be. Very good. What's next? So here's the thing. What usually happens is Libby here is just tracking through life and, and things happen and, and uh, she's excited about life and then she hits a bit of a bump in the road and, and, uh, and she gets a level of disappointment. Something doesn't work out. The job she went for didn't work out. Uh, John gave her a bad review. What, you know, the, um, some, some things that she thought she might have happened, some things that she'd been dreaming about seemed like they're just drifting away. You know, beautiful singing voice. All of a sudden, she loses her voice. She's got no idea why. These are not things I'm speaking over you, okay? <laughs> <clears throat> um, and what happens is, as Libby's tracking towards her future, i.e. the what's next, these things crop up. And what she does is she heads on over to to why. And she begins to circle why. She goes, well, why did I not get that job? You can just walk around. This is great. This is visual help. All right. She's like, why did I not get this job? Why did I lose my voice? Why did I break up with that person? I don't know if you did that. Why? 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 Obviously not this person. Why? 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 And she spends so much time in this kind of realm of disappointment that all of a sudden she realizes she's not just circling around why, she's attached to why. Oh, dear. <laughs> and she finds that she's literally attached to why because through her disappointment, through these hard, difficult times in her life, She's gravitated towards the question why, and it's caused her to, to not really be able to think about what's next because, are you guys all right? All right. Because all of a sudden, she's so, she's so bound up by wow, why, she literally gets attached to why. And the challenge is, is for Libby that even when she gets a moment where she goes, you know what, I better start thinking about my future. And she starts thinking, do you know what, I'm just going to start heading towards my future. Guess who comes with her. Guess who comes with her? Why? And even as she's heading towards what's next, even if she's contemplating what could be, what's happening next week, will I get my voice? Will I ever sing again? I want to sing again. 
You know, I want to be married. I want that relationship. I, I want to have a job. Even as she's heading towards those things, because of disappointment and being attached to those why questions, she ends up taking why, and why just seems to hang around all the time. And why is a big old brute and not fun to take a journey with why into the what's next? Thank you, guys. That was very helpful. I don't have a key. No, I do, somewhere, somewhere. No, genuinely, I did it. Go, fig go figure it out. Grab a seat, figure it out. You can give them a round of applause because that was helpful. And I feel like that's often, often what we do. You know, we can have certain situations. Our parents, our families, our school teachers, even way back then, they, they can do things, say things over us that bring disappointment. And sometimes, uh, and, we, and we hang around questions of why. Why has this not worked out for me? Why is my ministry not bigger? Why is God not using me? Why, 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 why? And whatever that why is for you, <laughs> they're still struggling to get that. <laughs> Maybe I brought the wrong key, I don't know. Um, but the reality is, is that God has got a what's next. He had a what's next for Israel. Remember the story? He had a what's next for them. It was the promised land. But what Israel did is they hung around why and never were able to fully step into the what's next. It took them 40 years of wandering around, chained to why, chained to disappointment, until they finally broke through. And it took them a whole generation it's interesting that it was 40 years. They talk about 40 years being a generation. It was almost like for a whole generation, they needed to get out of their system the disappointment of that moment. That's, that's what my take on it is. They took 40 years because it took them 40 years to get out of that, to arrest themselves, to move out of this disappointment that they found when they were so close to their promised land. It's kind of like driving. You know, um, I love this quote. Let me read it to you. It says here this. You don't drive looking through the rearview mirror. We have small rearview mirrors and very large front windscreens because what happens in the past is not nearly as important as what happens in your future. Where we're going is more significant than where we've been. And that's true, right? You know, there's a reason your windscreen's bigger than your rearview mirror because in moving forward, what's important is what lies ahead, not what's gone before. You know, what's next is really important in your life. You know, what God is saying to you about where he wants to take you and what he wants to do in and through you. Those are the big, important questions in your life. But the reality is if we get stuck in disappointment, if we get circling around questions of why, we'll always be held at bay from the what's next. We'll always be separate from the appointment or the assignment. Do you know what? That's what literally disappointment means. It means there's an appointment for your life, and disappointment will literally disconnect you from your appointment. See that in that word, disappointment? There's a, in other words, there's an assignment on your life. There's things that God wants you to do and things that he wants to do through you. There's an assignment, an appointment on your life. And disappointment will literally disconnect you from that assignment. It's that, it's that disappointment, it's that critical a thing that we have to realize that our lives are significant. Your lives are significant. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, or what's been done to you. You're precious to God, and he's got a purpose for your life. And that assignment, that purpose, 
You don't want to be disconnected, disappointed from what God wants to do in and through you. Because it's the most glorious thing you could ever give your life to. But I believe that we have to be people that are really ruthless with this issue of why. So that we can be people that move on to the what's next. And I actually just want to pause, even before we look at this second point, I want to pause just for a couple of minutes and just give space for Holy Spirit. You know, we, I, I can stand up here and talk and some things can be interesting and other things you can think, that's boring, doesn't really apply to me. But sometimes there's moments when Holy Spirit just says, I, I, want you, I want to stop there. I want to give space just for whatever it is that he wants to do. And I really believe that there are people sat in this room that, have had situations, moments in your life where discouragement, disappointment has just come in. And maybe you've put a brave face on. Maybe you've just thought, you know, I'm stronger than this, I'm bigger than this, I'm just going to try and move through it. But actually, Holy Spirit wants to come in. He wants to remove that disappointment from your life. You know, those, those questions, why didn't I get that job? Why did I lose this person? Why did this relationship break down? Why am I not further on than I thought I would be in life? These why questions, Holy Spirit wants to come in and he wants to speak to you and he wants to meet you, even at that point of disappointment. So why don't you just close your eyes just for a moment and and I want to pray and just ask Holy Spirit to meet with you. Father, I thank you that you're such a good father. You love us so much. Father, you're so excited about every single one of our futures. Father, it says in your word that you've given us a future and a hope. In other words, there's hope in our future. There's light at the end of the tunnel. And I ask Holy Spirit that even this morning, even as as I'm sharing these words, even as people are, are thinking and allowing you, Holy Spirit, just to come and minister to each one, I pray that you would come and meet people at their point of disappointment. You may even find there's a memory popping into your mind. You may even find that you're going back to a place or a time or a moment when someone said something to you, someone did something to you, and and a wave of disappointment hit your life, and it's just hung around. And the Holy Spirit says, enough is enough. You've got a future and a hope, and there's no more place for disappointment in your life. If that feels like that resonates with you, just so I know who I'm praying for in the next couple of minutes, if that, if that feels like it resonates with you, if you know that you're just kind of carrying some disappointment through life, would you just, just raise a hand so I can see who I'm praying for? Thank you. Thank you. So Father, even, even just in that response, I thank you that shame is broken. Father, that even in that response, there's just an acknowledgement that, that there's more that lies ahead and actually that we get to leave behind disappointment, that we get to cross over into hope. Father, I thank you that we can trust you. Even if we could point back to moments and situations where, where we feel like you weren't there, Father, I thank you that actually the truth of the matter is you were there and you're still there and you're faithful. And you will never leave us and you'll never forsake us. This is the truth of who you are. And so I thank you, Holy Spirit, that as we encounter your presence again, as we experience just again the faithfulness of who you are, 
that you move us from why and you move us into the what's next. You move us from disappointment into hope. So we just say, disappointment, you have no place in our life. You have no room in our thoughts. In Jesus' name, amen. So that was first point, move from the why to the what's next. The second thing um, I want to try and uh, communicate to you, I'm hoping will give you great courage. Uh, like I said right at the beginning, one of the, the things I've discovered on my journey into hope is not only do I need to let go of disappointment, but I also need to try and understand the seasons I'm in. You know, one of the things that, that I think leads us into disappointment is we don't necessarily fully understand what challenging things or what challenging seasons, uh, actually what place they have in our lives and what God's doing in them and through them. How many of you have never had a hard time in your life? All right, so, so I'm speaking to everyone. I feel like there is uh, a new perspective that God wants to give us, and I don't think it's just about putting our head in the sand and saying, <laughs> you know, this, this painful season, this disappointing season, it will just go away. I don't think it's about ignoring. But I think when we start to live in hope, it actually gives us a, a fresh ability to see challenging seasons or things that are hard in a completely different light. What do I mean by that? I think one of the, the keys to us growing up in God and maturing in God is to understand the season we're in, that we, um, we understand how understanding what God's doing now, even in a difficult, challenging season, can hold us away from getting disappointed. And actually, it can be a part of accelerating us into the next season, into what's next, and often accelerate us through what might be like that really challenging thing that we're facing. And here's the key. If you're writing anything down or you're remembering anything at this point, here's the key. I think the maturity is understanding that many times the very season that we're in, that we feel like is preventing us from our future and preventing us from hope is actually preparing you. The very thing that you think is, the very person that you think is, is um, holding you back, the very situation that you feel like is holding you back from what's next may well be and is highly likely to be the very thing that's preparing you. This is what I think. Think back to the story about the giants in the land. Could it be that in God's perfect timing and his perfect order, that those giants actually needed to be in the land? Could it be that what Israel needed as a nation was bigger homes, bigger wells, bigger infrastructure, bigger roads, bigger security, bigger infrastructure? Could it be that actually the very thing that Israel looked at and said, no way, there's no way that we will ever enter that land because there's giants in the land. Could it be that actually that was the very preparation for what Israel needed as the nation began to move into what was their land, their hope, their destiny? Could it be that the very obstacles that they considered be to be preventing them was actually part of God's amazing strategy to prepare for them, right? Does that make sense? Could it be that this well-established nation of Israel needed a well-established location 
with houses and walls and infrastructure. Sometimes I think we look at trials and obstacles and challenges that lie ahead of us and we just crumble, much like Israel did. They crumbled under the pressure and they just said, there's no way. That's it. We're turning our backs and we're heading out into the desert. They turned 180 degrees away from what was theirs, away from hope, away from their future, and they chose to park it in the desert for 40 years. I wonder how many times in life we're not able to see the challenge that lies ahead of us, the situation that may feel hard that lies ahead of us, and go, do you know what? What's in this that actually God is going to use to prepare me for what lies ahead? You know, how many times do we shrink away or pull away or even stop talking to that person or, or withdraw from that situation or, or run away and hide? How many times do we do that when actually there was something that God had for us to engage with in a season that might be challenging, that might be something that we've got to overcome, that might be hurdles in the way? But how many times have we turned our back when actually what lay ahead of us was an opportunity to get ready? for the what's next. I am absolutely convinced that what Israel needed, those giants in the land, the Nephilim, this, this people had already prepared for them. I believe that actually it was part of God's strategy. You know, when, um, interestingly, when the spies brought back the fruit, um, when we read that in Numbers 13, when they brought back the fruit, the description earlier on in Numbers 13 is that they had to get several men to pick this fruit up like it was massive fruit. And the, re the reason why, why I think it was massive fruit is because it was harvested by massive people. Like there was this, there was this sense of, of the infrastructure, even in terms of their farming, they'd had to mass produce and create large crops in order to sustain the people that were already in the land. Now, I think this was entirely for Israel's provision, but they missed, because of their perspective, because of the way they saw difficulty, challenge, hard seasons that may, lay ahead, may, may have lay ahead, because of the way they looked at it, they just weren't able to see it how God saw it. How many of you can maybe think of situations where you've kind of turned your back on a relationship because it got hard, or turned your back and, and even... Pulled, pulled away from a situation or, or run away from something that was hard or difficult because you just thought, there's just no way. There's no way I can go there. I don't even know what I would say, what I would do. It just looks too hard. And you found yourself in a place that you never even intended to be because you just walked away from what was a challenging, difficult situation. I'm convinced that with a new lens of hope, with a new lens of trusting God and knowing God has our future in his hand, that actually we could look at even having giants in the land, metaphorically, giants in the land, difficult situations, challenging things that lie ahead. We could have enormous things lie ahead of us and still believe to move forward because we know that actually there's something, there's something ahead of us. There's something in the process of me even dealing with this situation where God's preparing me. That actually this is not preventing me. This is God setting me up to be prepared. And if we can start to begin to filter our life through that lens of, you know what? I wonder whether God is wanting to prepare me for something. I wonder whether this challenge is something that actually God's okay with. Like God was okay with there being giants in the land because he'd already prepared it as their promised land. It was already their their land. 
The inability on, in this whole situation was not on God's part. It was entirely on Israel's part. And I wonder whether there are obstacles, hurdles for us to, to move through or to jump over that actually are a part of stirring hope and strengthening us in hope. How many of you realize that, that the things that are precious to us often are things that we contend for, the things that we've worked hard for, right? No, just me. Right? The things that we contend for are the things that are precious. You wouldn't contend for things if they weren't precious to you. Like, if something wasn't of value, you wouldn't kind of contend or push through to move towards it. If it, didn't, if, it, if it had no worth and no value, then you wouldn't be interested. I believe your future, your hope, what God wants to do in and through you is so valuable. It's worth contending for. It's worth believing that God can and will be with you in and through seasons that are challenging. And that God will prepare you, that he'll teach you, that he will, um, he will strengthen you, even through the hardest times. And some of it is just going, do you know what? God's with me. I trust him. That's enough for me. That's enough for me. I'm going to put a step forward because I trust God. I believe in what he said. And as we do so, as we move towards what's next, as we leave behind disappointment, as we take great courage and we even step into challenging or hard situations, I believe that God will breathe hope and breathe life into our life as we move through and into those things. Amen? Amen. This is, uh, I want to leave you, um, I want to leave you with this um, this verse from Philippians 4.12, and, and it's Paul writing this um, beautiful phrase. Um, I'll just read it to you, and I'll tell you why I think it's awesome. Philippians 4.12, it says, I know um, what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Wouldn't it be beautiful to get to the place of maturity, just like Paul had found himself, where in no matter what season, that actually there was a contentment that, that came. I love that because I, I feel like um, understanding the season we're in helps us be content with the season we're in, right? Contentment, I think, is a, is a beautiful fruit of living in that place of trusting God, having hope for our future, and being able to say, no matter what giants are in the land, I'm content. No matter what season I'm in, I'm content. Whether I have everything I think I should have or I have nothing, I'm content. And I think there is, again, there's, there's maturity. And, and it, for all of us, we're all on this journey of walking with Jesus. The end goal, as Paul talks about it in other parts of uh, his letters, he talks about that the end goal of, of leadership of, of the body of Christ would be that we would mature. And so there's a, there's a growing up that we have to do. Like some of us don't like that very much, but there's a growing up that we've got to do. And in growing up, I think, you know, you think about it for yourselves. If I, you know, when I was a kid, um, I thought a certain way. Now, if I applied that same thinking to the fact that I have a mortgage and kids and responsibilities, like if I placed the same way I thought when I was a child to how I think now, 
my life would be a car crash. And so that we understand in life that there's just, you know, we grow up and there are things that we have to learn and take responsibility for. And these are, this is just the journey of life. But in and amongst that, I really believe that what Paul shares is so important that we can find contentment. That even if there's challenging situations, even in harsh times, or even in joyful times, that even whichever, whichever place we find ourselves in, that we could know that, that, that God's in it with us. And if God's in it, it's got a purpose, right? If God's in it with us, it's got a purpose, and we can find deep contentment. I want to pray for you, and I don't know if um, John wants to come as well, but um, Father, I thank you for um, this journey into hope. Father, I thank you uh, for this community, these people, these amazing sons and daughters who are on this journey with you. And Father, I pray that um, as, as we even look at our lives and, uh, and we look at things that are going on around us, things that um, we wish weren't there, and maybe we wish there were other things in its place. <laughs> you know, I, I pray, God, that um, we would find contentment. Father, we'd find a contentment of knowing what it is to walk in every season with you. Father, I love the picture that we find in Genesis where it paints that picture of, of what communion is with you. And it's just walking in the cool of the day. And I pray, God, that we would know and experience contentment no matter what season we're in. Whether we feel like we're in a season where there are giants all around us, difficulties all around us. That, Father God, we would be content. We would have hope because we know that you're with us. And Father, for um, if we're in one of those seasons, God, where you're actually trying to teach us something, we ask that you'd show us. Father, we just prepared to open our eyes to the fact that even in difficulty, even in challenge, even in trial, that, Father God, that you're there with us. You didn't abandon us. You're there with us. And so we ask that you'd show us what it is you want, us, want to prepare us for. Father, whatever you're trying to teach us, whatever you're trying to strengthen us, Holy Spirit, we're wide open to understand what you want to do in this season, even though there are giants that are around us. Father, I thank you for your presence. I thank you that hope comes because we know that you're with us. Courage comes, not because things around us change, but actually that things remain constant. And that constant is that you're with us. We take courage and we take strength because you're with us. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen.